You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Midco SN proud to bring you the region's best coverage of University of North Dakota athletics, including the return of the hour-long UND football signing day special coming your way this Wednesday, December 18th at 10 a.m. It's all on Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shapes Podcast, taping this on a Monday afternoon, December the 16th, episode 19 of the new season, episode 56 total, Bill. We've been doing this for a little while. It's exciting to see that number tick up and up as we go week in, week out. You know, we've talked about it. It, I I think from a podcasting standpoint, I I know the ones that I listen to, I do like the consistency of them. And and so when you know they're going to be coming out, and I know you and I try to do our best and try to figure out what does it work on on a Monday, but uh, we've been pretty good over the last two years to make sure that we've knocked it out. And sometimes we alter the time a little bit, but I just think, you know, Given the way uh, the rhythm of athletics goes, especially in the college scene, you kind of come off a big weekend, and then you can always sort of look ahead to the to the next week. And uh, um, and these you know these podcasts never really uh, they're really probably they don't age well because they're just not evergreen, you know, because it's, they're so time specific at that point in time. But um, I think it's important. I, I enjoy it. I appreciate you hosting it, Alex, honestly. And I, I think, uh, you know, it's a really good opportunity to at least delve into some issues that are a little bit more than just what you'd be able to do in a soundbite or, or giving a quote or something to that effect. Yeah, that's that's the point. That's what we're going for here on the Bill Shaves Pod. And as we always joke about, they have not plug, pulled the plug yet. So we're going to keep pressing on to episode 56 and beyond. So you, you talk about the rhythm of college athletics and there are busy times and there are sometimes when things are not quite so busy and for good reason. It's finals week around the University of North Dakota. There aren't as many events going on. Really, basketball is the only thing that's happening as we speak with hockey now on break and, and football and volleyball, et cetera, wrapped up from the fall and the rest of the winter sports yet to really kick off. How does this week, How does, what's the feel right now for you in the athletics department, Bill, as we get into finals week the last week? of the semester with this sort of downtime that we're kind of entering into for the next couple of weeks? Well, I, I you know, I hit it a couple of different ways. From, from our student standpoint, certainly they've got to finish strong and you hope that, uh, you know, everything they've put into it academically, uh, you know, these last 15 weeks or so that they uh, finish on a high note. And uh, so th- this is an incredibly important week for them. You know, my daughter's a sophomore. I know she finishes, I think, on Thursday this week. Uh, it's either Wednesday or Thursday. And so, um, you know, so it, it's just a it's a big week for all the students, no doubt about it. Um, and, you know, we've got a couple of games, probably a good place for uh, a couple of non-D1 games for our, our two basketball teams. Uh, kind of gives them a chance to, to, to kind of keep things going because then on Saturday – you know, we get right back into it and, and uh, you know, with the guys playing in Lincoln and, and the ladies playing in Milwaukee. So uh, so I think it's timely for for the uh, two teams to have these games. Uh, and uh, so they're trying to do two things. And then from a staffing standpoint, you know, it gives gives uh, some folks a little bit of chance to, to, to recharge a little bit, um, have a little bit of time uh, uh, away, but uh, but also look ahead because, you know, I, I mean, our staff and uh, I think the way you guys run at Midco are very similar. I mean, uh, in a mm. sense that you get a little bit of time, but boy, you know what's coming. <laughs> yes, yes. The calendar, the calendar doesn't lie, Bill. Yep. You can look ahead and once it gets to 2020, yep, there are a lot of a lot of green dates on that calendar where there are UND events. It's uh I agree with you. It it does provide a nice opportunity to sort of take a breath and and recover a little bit. And also, too, to plan ahead. I think a lot of what we're doing now with our network is, okay, let's let's get some things shot that we can use when things are so busy and we have six games in five days and, you know, basketball and hockey going on in the same weekend. Uh, all those things are kind of on the horizon. So we, we have done a nice, we've had a lot of planning time to think about, okay, how do we cover all these things? And this these two or so weeks around Christmas where there's not as much going on affords us that opportunity. Um, you mentioned you know, the, the schedule coming up, women's basketball taken on Mayville State on Wednesday at seven. The men play the day before Tuesday against Northland at seven before going on the road for a couple non-conference games. And then summer league play is just around the corner. When you kind of, you know, for, from your chair, you, know, you talk about 
it's a chance for the staff to kind of reset. It's a chance for students to sort of peak right now. Do you kind of feel maybe some of the anxiety from the student body when you kind of walk through the halls or when you're walking down, you know, from your, from your car to the office? What's the buzz around campus right now, Bill, as you kind of walk around? That's a good question, Alex. I, I do think there's a heightened sense of, uh, you know, some things are, are happening right now because, boy, everything kind of culminates for them academically uh, each semester. And, you know, depending on the class that you have, sometimes those finals can be a big piece of the puzzle. And so even though maybe you've done everything for the last, let's just say, 15 weeks, it doesn't mean, though, you know, you, you, you've got to keep the pedal down. And uh, and so you can, you can tell there's certain a level of, uh, um, you know, I don't want to say anxiety, but but just, you know, it, it's part of the higher ed um, piece of the puzzle. You know, you, you, you have to be in the spotlight and whatever you've learned throughout this the semester, you're on, you're on, you know, for a two hour period or an hour period, no matter how, how it might be. And, you know, um, you know, my daughter's in musical theater and she, uh, you know, she's got some interesting different finals the way that that that. Um, that major approaches some things. And so um, just, just interesting, but it, it, it's all to test you and it's all to, uh, you know, give you a chance so that when you get out, I guess, into your own world, so to speak, beyond higher ed, that you can handle, you know, you can pivot and you can handle things that might come your way uh, because sometimes you never know what's going to come your way, right? That's true. No, that's, that's the point of this to try and prepare and get, our young people ready. Uh, and that's, you always talk about how athletics and the classroom sort of go hand in hand. You learn some of those skills of how to handle things and pressure on the court or on the field or on the ice, et cetera. And that helps you in the classroom and that helps you in life. I feel like those are some of the big tenets of what you try and put forward as an athletic director. Yeah, I think, I, I think what athletics, I mean, outside of being, I guess, another educational sort of laboratory, if you will, you can learn how to fail. And I, I, in you know, I, I don't know. You're gonna walk through a lot. You're gonna walk through life, and I think a lot of times success happens when you figure out how to deal with failure. And sometimes, and I'm sure you've seen it in your your life, Alex. I, I've certainly seen it in mine. Some people struggle with with either one putting themselves out there to fail. That's number one. And number two. Um, uh, if you do put yourself out there, how do you handle it when you do fail? And a lot of times, you know, um, that's the mark of of success to be able to do that. Not not to, I mean, your your buddy that you had, uh, you know, obviously between periods, Teddy, you know, he kind of <laughs> gave us he gave us the man in the arena, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and at the end of the day, um, I guess critics, um, there's a role for critics, but to be the one out there giving yourself a chance to be criticized is uh, is kind of, I think, part of this whole higher ed thing. Did, did we know we were going to go this deep, uh, uh, so close to the holidays? <laughs> when there aren't any games to talk about, we have, we, we have no alternative. We have to go deep. We have to get into this. No, that's good stuff, though, to think about. That reminds me of like some of the closing lines. of Have, have you ever seen the, the Pixar movie Ratatouille? where it's the, the mouse is the chef and then the, the food critic goes and talks about it. And it's about, you know, the art is probably worth more than the piece of criticism. And we, we not, not even probably, certainly worth more than whatever the critic deems it is. Because you, you, the person put themselves out there. It's the same kind of thing, you know, when you're, when you're putting yourself out on, in, in the field of competition or in a classroom on, on finals week. It's hard not to slide a little bit sometimes on the A side to the B side, but I'll (laughs) prep the B side a little bit. Last night, because the Bills were duck hunting, I would say that I was flipping back and forth between that and the 42nd Kennedy Awards. Which is, oh, you know, which is quite amazing to me, really. I mean, the, the, the folks that have kind of put themselves out there from an art standpoint, right? I'll call it artists. I mean, it could be uh, actor, actress. It could be composer last night. Earth, Wind & Fire also was, was uh, recognized. But Sesame Street. Sesame Street. I mean, it just was interesting. I, and and I, I just applaud folks who, again, I'll say this 
put themselves out there. And I think our student athletes do that um, each and every time they go out and perform. And, you know, sometimes I think as a, as a passionate fan, we can forget that at times mm -hmm. that I can guarantee you they want success more than you do. And, uh, and, and, but I think everyone wants the same thing. Somehow, some way you want things to go well. And, uh, but that's why we love this so much. I mean, really, I mean, if you weren't hurt, you know, let's just say when we lost, you know, to Nichols a couple of weeks ago, if you weren't, if, if some of you didn't ache, then you're probably not alive. You probably should think about another profession. <laughs> those, those are tough. That's, that's the beauty in the, you know, the flip side of sports is like, that's you, you suffer through you know, some of the bad times maybe, or some of the tough losses, because they help you appreciate certainly the good times. And it's that balance. You wouldn't really feel a win wouldn't feel as good if you just won all the time. If you, if, if you, and again, again, sliding, but it's, it's, it's apropos. If, if, if a Liverpool fan right now was not enjoying every match in the EPL, the only thing you concerned yourself with was may and whether or not you won the trophy, boy, you're missing a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think you should enjoy it all the way through. Yeah, you may or may not win. Who knows? You could go on a slide. You have no idea how life is going to go in February. I mean, I, you know, I mean, just you never know. But boy, just enjoy it. But just if you're only worried about the end result, I think you're missing a lot uh, along the way. Yeah, it's the journey that we, we talk about this all the time. The journey is what makes sports special. It's not necessarily winning the trophy at the end of the season. It's how did you, how did you go about the ups and the downs to get there? What did it take to reach that end goal? That's, that's what makes, yeah. And same thing with, you know, with everything really. The Kennedy center, I guess they, uh, they recorded it cause it was a week before that yeah. actually happened. But, uh, but what a neat, uh, what neat tribute to, to folks that have done just an amazing, uh, amazing job. The one thing I haven't seen yet, and I know a lot of holiday movie, movies go out and I'm not necessarily one to go literally to the movies. Um, but I do want to see the Mr. Rogers one. And it kind of reminded me what Sesame mm -hmm. street and the reasons why Sesame street, uh, started. And it really was to use that medium of television for educational purposes. And so, you know, it can be for entertainment purposes, but you hope it's educational as well. And you, you think the same thing here, really what we're doing with our student athletes and with UND athletics, it, it, it's certainly entertaining, obviously, but it's also educational as well. And I know that's come under a little bit of siege, let's just say nationally. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll get to a different place. I, I do believe this uh, in 2020 and beyond, we'll figure out what the next collegiate model potentially will be. And, um, you know, a lot of the stuff right now that is out there, I, I think will help us get to the next, to the next model, if you will. Yeah. Interesting times ahead. It's going to be when we flip the calendar and you start to look ahead to the next decade, which is a podcast conversation, probably for a different time, but all the different things that are happening, discussions that are taking place, it's going to be, again, we always say it, but it'll be interesting to see how the landscape changes and what takes place over the next three, four, five, six, seven, ten 10 years in college athletics. Interesting stuff. Normally, uh, I've been a hit or miss NCA convention guy, if you will, or AD, only because I will say maybe, I, let's just say 15 years ago, could be even 20 years ago. I, I don't know the dates, but there was a point in time where you did vote at the convention division one. So issues would come to the floor and you literally would have a clicker and you would vote mm. a, a yay or nay. That's what division two and three does still. And so that's why, you know, if you're a division two or three athletic director, you need to be at the NCA convention because things are actually happening right there. Division one, not so much anymore. I mean, there's a legislative process. It kind of goes through your leagues. Um, and so there's just a different way of going about it. But uh, in January, it always is held in January. So I'm going to be going out, though, this year for at least uh, basically parts of three days, but really, in a sense, two days, um, mainly because of the conversation of what's going on with name image like. I just feel like, you know, sometimes you're, you are sitting in historical times, if you will. And this has a feeling that I need to be there just to make sure I've got a pulse on what's going on in the floor and, and kind of what the tenor is, because I, I do believe what you just said, we're going to, there's going to be some evolution to this model. And I just want to make sure that I'm dialed.
Yeah, interesting. That's coming up January. Where at now this year? Anaheim. So um, that'll be that'll be maybe third week of January, somewhere in that range. Gotcha. Well, that'll be a fun conversation when you get back to hear what is going on around the rest of the country when it comes to name, image, likeness, and everything else that's happening in the conversations now around the NCAA. Must listen to podcasts. Well, we'll we'll definitely uh, we'll get deeper uh, a little bit on what's going on, and I I just am really interested. Like if you, it's like anything else. If you're going to just read maybe one side of something, there's a lot of really thoughtful, smart people that really are trying to dig through this a little bit. But you know, the one narrative I guess, and some people don't like using the word narrative anymore, but I do believe it's an accurate term. But the, some of the narrative out there is that. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's really not that difficult. Well, there are some pieces of the puzzle that I, you might have unintended consequences on some things. And so, uh, so it'll be, uh, it'll be a fascinating conversation. And I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll delve into it for sure uh, on a pod uh, after I uh, get back. Look forward to that at the end of January sometime. Episode like 61 is going to be the (laughs) number one on the most listened to episodes of the Bill Shaves pod. I got a feeling it's going to happen. There you go. Uh, speaking more closer to home, again, we mentioned no games really this past week. Everybody's kind of waiting for their next opportunity if you're a men's and women's basketball player or you're waiting until after Christmas if you're hockey or waiting till the spring if you're some of these other sports. We do want to touch on though some things surrounding UND athletics and kind of the big the big topic that happened this weekend was the the opening of the floodgates for tickets for the Nashville Hockey Hall of Fame game coming up next October in 2020. UND against Penn State at Bridgestone Arena. Tickets went on sale, I believe, on Friday for Champions Club members and then Saturday for the general public. And we're taping this on a Monday afternoon. And it, basically, the entire 17,000-seat arena is almost sold out. It's just a handful of upper bowl tickets that are yet to be uh snatched up. That's incredible. An incredible response. Not altogether unexpected, Bill, but what what are your thoughts when you hear that we've basically sold out an arena that is several thousand miles away in less than 36 hours? Yeah. So actually, it was actually all of last week was sort of used from a Champions Club standpoint. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So there were different levels that had their day, if you will. And so uh, started, uh, I believe, honestly, Alex, I think it was on Monday. And so, uh, mm-hmm. but but kind of went all the way through the week. And, uh, you know, I just... Can we just say thank you all the way through? So the, the, there's a start start with the fact of Jody and his team and the REA board and and the willingness to uh, to really kind of go down this path. Uh, I, I think probably dipped our toe in the water um, a few years ago when we went to New York at some point in time, and then uh, then the Vegas piece was just tremendous. And then this, there was such anticipation for it. It was amazing. And then finally, when we announced it, and you know, part of the puzzle was there were just some logistics that had to be worked out before we actually went into uh, um, kind of on sale mode because there, you know, the 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 hotel situation down in Nashville is, um, I'll call it tiered. And so, you know, depending on what you're looking to do. And so we wanted to make sure we had all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed. And then, so then that happened on Monday and, you know, we just went right through our levels, if you will, our champions club levels. And it was just amazing the response. And you're right. Uh, you know, after you get done with, I guess, all of, I'll call it the holds that you have to put in place, because obviously you have to take care of your opponent. You have to take care of our team. There's, there's some pieces of that puzzle. Once the rest kind of went on sale, the premium, all the premium opportunities went quick. Uh, and then now as we're sitting here recording this today, you know, it, it, it probably won't take too much longer and that whole arena might be sold out. I mean, it, it's just incredible. And I, you know, I think if we were to spitball this, when Jody and I were talking about this, even back in the summer, I thought we thought that there would be certainly a percentage of fans that would be, uh, um, involved that were actually predator fans in Nashville because they've got such a great hockey fan base. And so, uh, but I'm just not sure how many tickets are going to be available for them <laughs> but when it actually goes in public. It's yeah. crazy. It really is. So, uh, so kudos, uh, obviously to our, you know, incredible fan base. I, it's, it's unbelievable and all in one, not surprising. 
it's just it's crazy it really is so uh i know our team will be excited for it and what an again back to educational opportunities what an awesome opportunity for our student athletes to to kind of experience this and uh um you know we're just we're just fortunate and lucky to uh to have uh you know folks that care so much about you know und und athletics and und hockey incredible stuff Seventeen thousand seats pretty much all sold out. If you do want to get in, obviously get on the website right now, you know, go to fightinghawks.com and there are, there are ways to get tickets through that, through the REA website or through Ticketmaster as well. But you're probably running out of time. If you've not made those purchases already and you are, do want to go, I would highly suggest doing that sooner than later because they're not going to last much longer. I thought Jody's tweet that I retweeted, I think on Friday was, was pretty funny. I mean, he kind of used some, uh, I'll call it Southern vernacular, but, uh, you know, but if you're fixing to go, you, you better be fixing to, to, to reach out pretty darn quick. If you want them, get them something like that to that, to that extent. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Jody Hodgson and company, they're a busy crew over there getting everything lined up, but it's going to be, it's, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, October 17th, 2020. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, no worries. And, and a quick uh, shout out to Val Sussex and, and her gang with the, uh, with the champions club. I know that they've been working uh, the phones nonstop uh, since uh, the on sale went on and Heather Reardon has done a heck of a job. And so, so we just, you know, and again, I, you start naming names, you're going to forget folks, but I, Again, I anyone that's uh, you know kind of helped on the foundation side and the REA side, and then our athletic side, you know, um, kudos uh, to to everyone involved. Yes, agreed. Less than you know, what are we? Ten months away. Coming up quick. Uh, the hockey team right now, by the way, got some pleasant news earlier today. They were number two in the country the last couple of weeks. Minnesota State again. UND's off, of course. They're, they're in this three-week stretch without games. They don't play again till December the twenty-eighth in Plymouth, Michigan, against the national team development program. But doesn't mean other teams aren't playing. And there were still a, a half, sort of a half slate this past weekend with teams around the country playing. Minnesota State split with Northern Michigan, so number one loses a game for the first time in a while. And we wake up this morning, and North Dakota has taken Minnesota. To state spot atop the rankings first time since October of 2016. Number one in the country, Bill. Here we go. Yeah, one is good. Um, you know, I, I'd say the guys have played so well that, um, you know, I, my guess is I it, they'll take it in such stride at this stage of the game. I'm sure they're they're kind of excited about it, but at the end of the day, obviously they have other goals in mind. Much like if you're a top five team right now or a top ten team, you have different goals in mind at this stage. And it it's certainly not you know to 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 be at a a place in, I'll call it mid-December, but uh, but it validates for sure what kind of a first half that the team has had. And so, you know, it's exciting, but also it kind of puts perspective on on what's left as we uh, as we flip the calendar. Certainly. Brad Schlossen had a great stat that North Dakota now has been ranked number one 22 weeks over the last six seasons. That's tied with St. Cloud State for the most of any team in the country over that period. It, it's uh, Even though it's been a couple of years since UND's been there, yeah, it's fun to be back and to see this team have so much success. And we just talked about the journey and enjoying the journey along the way, even though the goal doesn't happen until Detroit in April. Being able to walk alongside this team as they go through this process of where they started the season, how they've gone through this first half, and now you still get a whole half of the season to enjoy and to really celebrate and probably to suffer a little bit. I'm sure there are going to be some ups and some downs, but it's it's exciting to be along for the ride for this. And so again, fans, we can't say it enough. Enjoy. Enjoy what's going on. A special season that's happening right now, uh, with number one or not, and there's still a lot left of it. Yeah, it, it, we're back to the journey again. It, it is uh, you know you never know how each season's going to end. I mean, it, it, and truly, as we know, uh, depending on you know how you uh, view your content, the live content of uh, I guess um, sport, you just never know what the end's going to be like, right? So that's that is really the only reality TV is is really sport, and so enjoy it. But I'll tell you what they've. They've uh, that team has has given you a lot of uh, uh, room for optimism as as we head to 2020. <laughs> that, yes, that is a good way to put it. Yes, sir. Uh, there's not been much. There's not been much room for pessimism. Let's just go say the opposite. It really hasn't been. They've just really completely 
pushed out all of that. A fun team to watch that's scoring a ton of goals and is seeing some individuals be recognized for their outstanding first halves of the season. When you look at Shane Pinto, who was picked amongst the Team USA World Juniors preliminary roster, as, as we kind of expected, uh, he hasn't made the official team yet. They've got 28 guys that are going through uh, kind of a training camp in Plymouth right now, uh, today and tomorrow. That, that'll get cut down to 23. They'll they'll chop off probably two forwards, but uh, we saw today they kind of released the preliminary lines and Shane was the third line center. That's a good spot to be. You, you would expect with the way that he has performed over the first half of the season and the fact that he's played for Team USA that he'll probably be on the plane to the Czech Republic. And then same thing with Jacob Bernard Docker, who made the initial list of cuts for Team Canada. They haven't officially nailed down their roster, but you would expect both of them, both Shane and Jacob, to make the World Junior teams for their respective countries. Really cool honor for both of those young men. Yeah, just a, a tremendous opportunity to play for your country. I mean, just to be able to put your jersey on that says your country on it. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm getting chills thinking about that. So uh, um, not many folks uh, have that opportunity to do that. And, you know, you might do it even on an individual level to some degree, but kind of cool to play with others, right? And you'll always have that bond with that with with that group because you've you've done that so it's uh it's exciting for for those guys for sure and uh look forward to the tournament when does the actual tournament start does it start actually before christmas or boxing day december 26th through the through the first week of january got it got it and so uh medal round yeah sometime what maybe after what, january three four five somewhere yeah, in that range post new year weekends is when those things will go down over in the czech republic so a cool opportunity for those guys to potentially make the trip over to europe and represent their country uh side note if you could represent your country bill in something what would it be wow that's a good question um you know i i i do like I do like the hockey piece for sure. I think that's neat. I, I, I think the the thing that's really cool about hockey, as opposed to I'll say basketball, even though the world for sure is catching up, no doubt about it. And b- baseball's kind of cool too because that's really an international game. But I, I would say you know hockey's such an international game that when you watch these tournaments, even you know the Olympics and these junior tournaments, you never know who's going to win. I mean, really, right? I mean, there's about I'd say three, four, five countries that have a legit shot to win every time they go uh, and kind of strap it on in one of these tournaments. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> uh, curling, I think, if I was going to pick anything, I feel You're like that. You could still do that. Exactly. But I mean, you could. You, you mean, could. You could. I mean, I, that is not being disrespectful to the world-class curlers that are out there right now, but it is not something that is unrealistic to think that you couldn't be on a curling team. Now, there's aspects of a curling team that you may or may not be able to maybe, I don't know, I, I, like you said, maybe you're not the setter, so to speak, in, in volleyball <laughs> vernacular. Well, yeah. I mean, now the thing you got to remember is about curling. Everybody does everything, Bill. You rotate. so you're You, you rotate at all? So the only person that doesn't do all the different positions, again, there are only there really are only three positions. It's the person that's throwing the stone, the people that are sweeping, and the person that's calling out the shots. The the skip that's calling the shots never really sweeps with the stone coming down. He really just calls the shots for three ends, and then he goes down and he throws his two stones. But pretty much everybody else, though, you're doing a little bit of everything. You got to be pretty multidimensional to be on a curling team. So, which again, last Olympics, we had a UND grad that was a part of the gold medal winning curling team. So it's quite amazing, actually. Yeah. People from our part of the world do this well. And again, I'm not saying, like you said, realistically, I'm not going to represent the U.S. at at an Olympics in curling, but it's not completely. Now, I will never, ever represent the U.S. in basketball. Or or hockey, for example, or I mean, never. There, there's that that ship has sailed a long, a long time ago. Well, it was interesting when what was it? <laughs> Skeets Nehemiah, right? Kind of did the bobsledding thing, and so mm. Ronaldo. I think I believe that was accurate, and so it was kind of interesting. There are some things that. I would say if you have natural athletic gifts, you probably could slide into something that's uh, Olympic related, which yeah. is uh, it's just fascinating, actually. But uh, yeah, I, um, I curling wouldn't have been one that I would have thought of. Have you curled before, by the way, Bill? No. In fact, though, uh, as my son was doing uh, quite a bit of uh, hockey up in, I'll call it, uh, British Columbia as well, but a lot of 
lot of curling opportunities that I saw there. In fact, like curling lessons and those things, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be like a sign Tuesday night curling lessons, you know, yeah. which is kind of, I just, I find that awesome. It's a pretty good time. There, there's a great curling rink in Grand Forks. Uh, they just got the, the facility rebuilt. So plenty of opportunity to go. They have lots of learn for or learn to curl events there. So if you've never done it before, they can kind of give you the, the pointers and, and get you started. Just going to throw that out there. Just a little plug for you. If you're looking for something to do this holiday season. Well, I, my, my youngest son is on the, uh, the night rider bowling team. So it's oh, sure. in Grand Forks. So kind of maybe somewhat similar in a sense. I mean, I think you can do it and it's probably lifelong. It really is. No, for sure. Oh my gosh. People, people at the curling center, you know, 70s, 80s. So they, you're doing it maybe with a little, a little help. You have a little broom sort of thing you can push the stone with instead of being down on the ice. But yeah, definitely a lifelong sport. 100%. We kind of got off topic there a little bit, but um, back. <laughs> good, good luck to Jacob and Shane. You can watch the world juniors, by the way, assuming both of them do make it uh, on NHL network. They'll have full coverage of all the games with the U S and Canada coming up. Uh, one other cool UND note, by the way, from the hockey side of things, Austin Pagansky suited up for the St. Louis blues this past week, became the 102nd UND player to feature in the NHL. Uh, really cool stuff for Pogo, a former UND captain to make his NHL debut this past week. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's just amazing the impact that uh, a number of our alums uh, continue to have in the NHL. So uh, yeah, 102. That's just a, that's a neat, neat number. And so uh, yeah, we, we follow uh, obviously all of our alums pretty, pretty tightly. So uh, it's a uh, great, great feather in the cap for the program. Yeah, between Austin reaching the NHL and then Jonathan Taves becoming the highest point score from a UND graduate in the NHL or, you know, from a UND guy in the NHL. He and Zach Parisi had both been kind of going back and forth and Taves got the mark uh, that Dave Christian had held for a long time, just a little bit ahead of Zach. So cool, cool stuff. It just... um that's one of the fun things really about following this program is you see guys that have gone through that have not just made it to the NHL, but have really made their mark and have become, you know, some of the greatest, some of the greatest players at their position of all time in the league. It's pretty cool. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. And I think uh, Johnny had three, three assists last night. I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Blackhawks beat the uh, wild. So, uh, so he's adding on to it and uh, he's had a hall of fame career. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, without a question. And he's only 31. He's still got he's still got some time left. It's incredible. Uh, well, switching from the ice to the field, we finished up FCS quarterfinals this past weekend. And as we talked about on this pod, there are four semifinals left. UND played three of them, and they beat one of them. Kind of kind of solidifies again all that whole ah, this record or this this schedule is going to be pretty tough this year. Yeah, you know, I I, I think. I think a couple things, Alex. You know, I I, I really was thinking about this as we, uh, um, you know, are heading into the semifinal week, and I knew it was going to be a difficult schedule. We all knew it was going to be difficult, and um, I thought our team did a a nice job. The one thing that I'm excited about moving forward and and, and something that we have to kind of juxtapose to some degree is historically we've had some tremendous runs in playoffs in a different subdivision. And now we're in a different subdivision and we're just kind of, it's an opportunity to create history within the FCS subdivision. And, you know, obviously division two, we were tremendous, Um, but it still provides, again, if you're open again, I I don't know what the name of this pod's going to be, but if you're open to the journey, (laughs) you know, if you're open to the journey, you know, we still are, you know, we're, we're a program. If you think about it, you know, hasn't, it's still really young in FCS has been in the great West has been in the big sky has been independent and now heading into the Missouri Valley all less than what, probably in 10 years, somewhere in that range. And so, you know, 10, 12 years, somewhere in that range. So at the end of it all, you know, I, I just think we need to be open to where this program is going. But if you look at it, um, we have certainly, you know, played difficult opposition. And this year, you know, yeah, certainly you would have loved to have won that game in Ogden. If you won the game in Ogden, you could kind of go back and say, boy, we might have been a seed. And if that's the case, boy, you know, no different than the NFL. And we've talked about that before. You're a one or two seed in the NFL. Boy, the playoffs are a lot different than if you're not a one or two seed. Same with the FCS playoffs. You're either a top eight seed or you're not. And if you're not, 
the playoffs are a whole different deal for those other 16 teams. And so you might get a, a school on fire out of those out of those 16 schools, but it is a markedly more difficult path than if you're a top eight seed. I'm not sure where I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but, but it's just, it's fascinating. And I'm excited about the program and where we're headed. And, you know, we just, but we have to keep, keep grinding, knowing where we're going and knowing, you know, obviously um, if you look at the big sky and look at Missouri Valley over the course of time, they probably, and again, the CAA right there to some degree have been the, have been the conferences and, you know, heading into the Valley, you know, it's going to be an interesting road because we've got some new um, experiences ahead of us. Again, we got to know the big sky a little bit and you kind of got to know the ins and outs and the intricacies. Now we got to figure that out in the Valley. So, uh, but I think we'll embrace it. Yeah, Bubba's talked about that, just about the this shift and the, how this offseason is going to be really important when you have a chance to look at film from teams that you're not familiar with. I think looking at the schedule for next season, you know, six or so of the teams in that conference schedule are teams that UND does not have a lot of familiarity with. You know, obviously North Dakota State, they of course have seen now a couple times in the last six years. South Dakota, same thing with that home and away series they had a couple of seasons ago. But pretty much everybody else is going to be uh, well, Missouri State, I suppose, as well. But everybody else is going to be new. A lot of new, new travel experiences, new opponents, new style of play. Uh, just a, another transition year. We've kind of talked about these transition years with all all the sports really making that move from the big sky to the summit. Now it's football. Another year of transition for them. But uh, as you said, if, if this program keeps plugging away and doing what they've been doing the last couple of seasons, good things are going to happen. Part of that means recruiting, and, and that means this early signing period, which has become much more of an important step now for programs across the country. Uh, at the moment, I think 23 or 24 players have verbaled. Now, it doesn't mean they're all going to sign on Wednesday, but it's a another good class of kids from across the Midwest. Uh, when you look at, now we won't get into the specifics, but when you look at you know the nature of signing in this early signing period, Bill, how important does this period become? How important has this mid-December date become for programs across the country? Yeah, I, you know, I... Uh a huge and a big proponent of the early signing period. Uh, I, I just think that, you know, that, that took a little while to finally get to this point. And, uh, you know, it can be tricky, Alex, when you're potentially, uh, you know, um, uh, looking for a new head coach or, or you have transition in the coaching ranks for sure. Um, but I think, Overall, it's been the right thing for for the uh, recruits where they don't have to, you know, almost they get it kind of done before the holidays in some way, shape or form. And I just felt like it really was a long time waiting to the first Wednesday in, in February. And it just, I think social media has gotten us to a point where, you know, everything is immediate to some degree. And it felt like that was just such a long wait to some degree. So I, I'm excited about it. And yeah, as far as I can tell, um, you know, if you can, uh, you know, you can, uh, you know, follow some of the things that you see, you know, at knock on wood should be a good class. But of course, you know, there'll be a number of people out there saying, you know, you, you're always undefeated on signing day. So, uh, you know, it's, it's good. It's going to be depending on what transpires once they get here and, and how they, you know, go about their business. Yeah. It's, uh, we're excited to cover this again. This is, I think the, f- this is the fourth year, the fifth year we've done this. However long this has been going on, we did it when it was in February with UND doing a signing day special, and then we transitioned to doing it in December now for the third straight year. And it is a lot of fun to chat with the coaches day of. Uh, everybody comes over to the to the Midco offices, and we have kind of a little. It's kind of becomes you know, signing day central for UND football. And uh, it's fun to see the excitement around the coaches as those names come in and, and kids officially sign and exciting thing for the, for the student athletes and their families, because it means you're locked in to go to a college and you know, you've got a scholarship for the most part waiting for you. And we're excited for that. So again, it's coming up on Wednesday at 10 o'clock from 10 to 11. We'll chat with uh, Bubba Schweigert and some of the coordinators as well here from some of the local high school experts that have followed these kids throughout their careers with uh, a little more insight. So it should, should be fun. Be sure to tune in. If you don't catch it live, you can watch the special on YouTube coming up later. But again, big thanks to uh, to Bubba and the, the football team for being open to swinging by and, and spending the morning with us. They're usually there around 6.30 a.m. With, uh, with donuts and bagels and we hang out all morning. It's a, it's a pretty good time. So hopefully we'll get a chance to see you over there as well, Bill, coming up this 
this Wednesday. Well, thanks, Alex. And I, you know, and I, I, what you all do uh, is awesome for this. And uh, don't don't believe that we don't appreciate it because it's awesome and uh, it's a big deal because uh, you know for us to be able to have our uh, potential student athlete and their families you know make such a big deal of it because it is a big deal. Um, I know our coaches appreciate it and we certainly appreciate it as well. So thanks. One last thing about early signing day. If you are a team right now, again, North Dakota State, Montana State, James Madison, Weber State, those four teams are playing this coming weekend. That would maybe be the only counter argument to like, gosh, that's got to be so difficult for these guys to sort of balance the game planning with trying to finalize recruiting and, and make those last minute calls. If North Dakota was still playing, obviously UND would be you'd be really happy and you're going you're gonna to balance it out. But do you feel like maybe there's a little bit that suffers if you really want to have a strong early signing class when you do have to be playing football and be game planning for a semifinal at the same time? Yeah, it, I, I would say it's, it is tricky for sure, but I, I, I think what you said is, is accurate. I, I think you, you go in with the thought that we will be playing that weekend. And so you adjust accordingly. And, uh, um, I think if you are playing this weekend, for sure, that's something that you're going to, um, you know, you're going to say to your recruits that, you know, um, that that's a good thing. Right. And so, uh, so, so, so all of it to be said, I just think you just need to prepare and plan ahead. I mean, I, that's it in a nutshell. I, 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 the date is the date and you can still balance out what you need to do. You just have to be really organized and, uh, and then be thoughtful about how you're, you're prepping along the way. But now I mean, I think the identification starts, you know, the cycle will start again. I mean, very soon and it'll reset for the juniors that are going to be seniors. And I, I think your lists just get pared down a little bit. And so probably a lot of the work has already been done to tell you the truth. Now there might be some trickiness, uh, based on that, that you're playing, but I think uh, I think there's probably 125 schools in the country that would sign up. <laughs> yes, I agree. I think you would take maybe the small headache of having to make some extra phone calls during the middle of a, a busy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of, of preparing. Yeah, if you have an opportunity to prepare for a shot at the national championship, I think you'd swap that out any day of the week. One Unique note about this year's signing day, North Dakota's already had a couple of verbal commitments from players that were a part of the St. Cloud State football program, which sadly now doesn't exist anymore. St. Cloud State and Crookston both dropping football this past week. A couple other sports were dropped and some were added as well with those two programs. Uh, without going into too many details, just kind of, I mean, it's, sad, it's, it's unfortunate really that this is sometimes the things that happen in college athletics. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, opportunities... Uh for student athletes to participate in the sports that they love, uh, you know, when that gets unfortunately potentially discontinued, that's never easy. And uh, I can tell you this, it's not something that any athletic director signs up for. Um, and that's probably outside of, you know, making sure that your, your, your student athletes are safe on a daily basis, uh, you know, whatever that definition is that you want to have, but, but safe, I think as a parent, you probably could figure out, maybe you could put your own definition to that. Um, you know, the next step is to make sure you, you continue to potentially have the sport, but there are realities. I mean, I, you know, I, fortunately I, I I've been in this, uh, for 30 years and I've, I've never been in an institution that has had to do that um, while I was there. You know, I've been at institutions that have had that happen because there's always an evolution at times. If you go back historically, there'll always be an array difference of sport offerings. And sometimes it's based on the times. Sometimes it's based on a lot of different things. Um, but, you know, I guess we all always have to remember to some degree, right? There's a bigger picture. We're here because of the institution, not reversed. And, you know, you know, uh, we, we believe our athletic is, our athletic mountain is fairly big, but it's not as big as the university mountain. And, uh, and so it's always about how the university is doing and we have to always make sure that we end up, uh, um, you know, supporting the university in any way, shape or form, because, you know, that's the very first thing we want to make sure and have, uh, um, uh, doing well is to make sure there's a, a healthy university so that you can have vibrant programs. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's tough for those programs, certainly, and tough for those student-athletes and coaches and people around Crookston and St. Cloud State. Never easy when you lose programs like that, especially, you know, in St. Cloud's case. That's a, a peer institution with UND and the NCHC and a former NCC member. Like, There's a lot of ties there with those things, and I think that especially hit close to home. And Crookston's obviously just right down the road, so two programs that I think a lot of people in this area, uh, you know, knew, knew pretty well and probably followed pretty closely. So tough, tough when those things happen. Well, it's no different than, you know, you live your own life uh, in your own household to some degree. And, you know, sometimes you have to make choices on certain things. And, uh, you know, it, it is it is hard for sure. And so, uh, yeah, I thought you articulated it well. And, you know, certainly um, there'll, there'll be an evolution and there'll always be an evolution as far as how things go from a higher ed standpoint. One other college football note that I, I thought you'd be a good person to talk about this with. The Big Sky this past week, had some coaching changes and some uh, some longtime coaches leaving programs replaced by some familiar names and Cal Poly hiring your old head coach Bo Baldwin who had been with Cal the last couple of seasons Northern Colorado hiring Ed McCaffrey of all people to come in and take over the program some pretty big names joining the Big Sky I, obviously we don't play UNC or Cal Poly now in any anywhere in the near future but it's exciting to see the conference get that much more. Uh, high profile, I guess, with a couple of really big names coming in. What were your thoughts with Bo Baldwin and Ed McCaffrey joining the biggest guy coaching ranks, Phil? Yeah, not not surprising. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, from, as, as far as Bo's concerned, you know, I think he had an opportunity to go to Cal and, and be a coordinator. And then uh, um, I think he's seen it from both sides to some degree. I'll say, you know, FBS and FCS. And, you know, he's, you know, individually, I think he just uh, – wanted to become a head coach again. And it's difficult to become a head coach for sure. And, uh, um, and so, you know, you think about any job, even if it comes down to you and somebody else, it's still a 50% chance. And so, uh, you know, um, so I think he was excited about that opportunity and just naturally kind of was, was interesting. He was now in California. And so, so there were some connections and, uh, obviously, uh, you know, he knew of Cal Poly very, very well in his days with the big sky. So, so needless to say, I think that that ended up becoming a good fit and, uh, yeah. And Ed McCaffrey, you know, certainly a, uh, a, a huge name in the state of Colorado and, you know, I think uh, UNC, you know, was looking to really, you know, make a impact on uh, trying to to maybe uh, may, I'll call it fence fence Colorado a little bit, um, and so maybe that that will be the case um, that 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 maybe uh, you know Ed will do. But um, yeah, that those were interesting. They kind of happened. Uh, they happened almost like bam bam. And so uh, just interesting. But that's part of the I guess cycle that we're in right now when you get towards the end of the year. It's so funny when you think about these hires, because when, when they happened as well, I think everybody from a UND perspective, like, oh man, you know, Bull Baldwin coming back out, Cal Poly, they're going to shift from the triple option. We got to change and all oh, UNC, maybe they're going to be a little more relevant now with the new coach. And you kind of have to re or, you know recalibrate a bit and think, oh, that's right. We're not in that conference anymore. We don't, we don't have to worry about these schools anymore. That was my first impression too. Like, oh, these really don't affect North Dakota much. They, they will, of course, a little bit. It's Western, you know, Western schools in the FCS. There aren't that many, and you're, you know, UND obviously recruits Colorado heavily, et cetera, and California as well. But it's not quite the same. The, a coaching change that'll happen at Southern Illinois will affect North Dakota much more now than one that just happened in Greeley or in San Luis Obispo. It's just funny how you got to kind of change your thinking a little bit from a UND perspective. You do. And, uh, you know, given the fact that, uh, you know, both Kyle and I have worked on uh, football scheduling uh pretty significantly here we're you know we're scheduled up uh, pretty much through 25 at this point in time and so you know those schools are not on our our, our our schedule at this point so you know the one way I would I would sign on the dotted line every day of the week if we're going to play them that means it's going to be in the playoffs so uh, mm -hmm. so I, I would uh, I'd be okay with that so but you're right I mean it, it you know it, it is a little bit of a transition of thought even with our fan base to some degree right you kind of get used to playing certain schools and uh, you know our certain our, our media our student athletes but uh you know i mean we're we're, we're knee deep in the valley now i mean i i don't right. i don't have to worry about going to a big sky meeting anymore how about that <laughs> there you go cross that off the list there you go uh anything else on your mind bill you want to touch on this has been you know we were worried maybe about ah oh, what are we going to talk about not much going on this week we can fill the time we've not had an issue filling the time today 
Well, we'll see if we still have listeners at this point in time. But if you're out there, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We really enjoy you listening to this. Well, let's flip over to to the B side. I'm going to put us. I've noticed in recent weeks as I've editing this podcast, sometimes we've had a tendency to to go a little bit long, and I want to be respectful of your time, Bill, and of the listeners. So I'm going to give us a, a a little ten minute ten minute limit on the B side today. We're going to try. We're going to do our best. Hammer it out. Uh, I want to start with this. You mentioned on Twitter the other day that Spurs have a little Morgan magic in them right now, going back to the '80s '88 Red Sox, and. Uh, Spurs won again this weekend. They've won five of seven under Jose. Little late minute drama. Jan Vertonghen with an equal, uh, a stoppage time goal. Impressive stuff. What's uh still living it? Still living it up with Tottenham Hotspur right now, eh, Bill? Listen, here's the deal. I couldn't be any more excited about the Jose era. <laughs> I mean, it has been phenomenal. That's what I will tell you. Oh. And here's the deal. I... I I love Potch and what he brought to the table. And I sound like a broken record, but, but it was just, uh, you know, a scenario where I think it's going to be good for him. And it was good. It's been good for Mourinho at this point in time. Now, help me. We're into holiday fixture mode, I think. So we get about maybe Correct. four, four matches here starting this upcoming weekend, uh, through like January 2nd. So our, our big one is this upcoming week home against Chelsea. So uh, that will be interesting because if they weren't going to figure it out at some point, Alex, they were, they were going to be mid table this year. Uh, You know, and they, now they haven't. And that was a big win against the wolves. The wolves, I I hadn't realized they hadn't lost in 11 matches and and not all of them wins, but that was a pretty dang good win on the road. Malin is a tough place to play. And that's a team that has Europa league championship aspirations and, they're a difficult team to play against. And yeah, to pull out three points late, that's big. And that puts now Spurs into fifth place. You've gotten yourself into European qualification. Again, it's very muddled. All these teams are really tightly packed. But it's exciting, I think, that you have had this stretch now under Jose for the last month or so that has gotten you back into relevancy. It's it's exciting stuff. Now, one of the things that I thought was really funny, so Spurs obviously qualified out of their Champions League group uh, runner-up. The draw happened this morning. You got RB Leipzig, who maybe was the team that everybody kind of wanted to play. You got a very favorable draw, although they're playing very well. They're tops in the Bundesliga right now. But reading everybody's conversation about this, you know, these matches against Leipzig won't take place until February and March. It's a two-legged round of 16 tie. And I love the commentary of people saying, well, (laughs) will Jose be as happy-go-lucky then as he is now? Will this good feelings, you know, Jose Mourinho continue? And if it does, you know, I mean, you got a great chance to be kind of a tricky customer in that department because I think most people would pick them to beat Leipzig and move on to the quarterfinals again. It's exciting stuff right now, but I just love the caveat that everybody puts out there if he stays happy. Well, he, um, he, he certainly is must, must see TV. So they, they, <laughs> I, I saw with all those, all the Tottenham fixtures, they're all on because yeah. they have to, it's almost like you put one camera on him, right? I mean, you just have to, cause you don't know what he's going to do, yeah. which is kind of exciting. So uh, now he's the definitely he's, he, he is the antithesis of Joe Morgan, uh, Ma, you know, I mean, uh, Morgan magic. I mean, as a, as a manager for per se, but, but same results. It's amazing how he can get there. New manager bounce. That's for, for those who were uninitiated. And I, by the way, I did have to look this up because it was 1988 and I was three years old. And I had heard the term before, but I wanted to make sure I had the details right. Joe Morgan took over midseason. Was it after? It was after the All-Star break? Was, was right at the All-Star break? And they won 12 straight. 12 straight games for the Sox and they were able to win the division that year. So I probably shouldn't say this, but it's the B-side, so I'll say it. Is um, I was a sad fan after 86. And so that was a really difficult uh, series, as you might imagine. And so um, I ended up having that same champagne bottle. Um, I carried around uh, multiple stops uh, for 18 years and then finally popped it in Texas when I was at Baylor uh, because I was watching the 86 series um, game seven after the debacle in game six. And uh, of course, the Red Sox were up that game, but they didn't finish it off. Um, there were three champagne bottles, um, and two of them 
we're, uh, how should I say, taking the peel, peeling off, if you will, taking the wrapper off, uh, that would be myself and my buddy, Glenn Shippey, uh, making the pod appearance. And um, one didn't. Amazing. My, fa- my father, still alive, 82 years old. He knew. He saw 46. He saw 67. He knew the deal. So, you know what? I had to carry that champagne bottle around for 18 years until it got, got popped. So, long story short, I never really was excited with John McNamara. And so, I, uh, I, 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 I couldn't let go of the fact that he left Bill Buckner in because he always brought Dave Stapleton in. That was that was the gig. Dave Stapleton was it. So Dave Stapleton should have been on the field that day, and he didn't because he wanted Buckner in there to celebrate, given his career and his now nice. But I was even at that point, I was like, no, stay with what you got because you know it'd be nicer to win. (laughs) There you go. So at the end of the day, I just said to myself, you know what, I'm going to tap out of Fenway for a bit until we uh, have our next manager so i was there game one with uh with uh with uh morgan with joe morgan hmm. yeah with joe morgan yep so it it was good and that that let them that 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 got them going and propelled them to the uh to the playoffs where they summarily got beat pretty good by an oakland a's team but yeah. the a's were pretty good at that point in time so but all that to be said yeah um that is Jose in a nutshell. Nutshell. I'm living it again, Alex. I'm living it again. <laughs> oh, I love it. Again, watch this space. I just, I'm just excited for when, when the results maybe start to fail a little bit here. Now, it might not happen this year, but at some point, the gleam, well, the gleam will fade. It will fade, and it, it will be, and you'll move on. Doesn't the rose always fade at some point? It, it always wilts. It always does. Especially when Jose's your manager. Really feels strong though right now. <laughs> it's it isn't full bloom. It isn't full bloom. Now you get to go play Chelsea exactly which where Jose obviously had two long stints and won a number of Premier League titles. So that'll be fun. Lots of reminiscing this week with the special one. And I was being, uh, you know, in thinking what you said last week because I was I really was interested in what they're doing with Erickson at this point in time. And he came out to the field maybe with like three minutes to go and uh but i I do think they'll probably what move them probably this transfer window and that'll give them opportunity to kind of because right now they're getting nothing from him right now i I mean because i think like you said they have him bubble wrap so at the end um but they they might be able to fill in some pieces along the way which will be which will be good for the team so and that might be a way for him to put an imprint on the team uh one quick word on the Steelers last night, 17-10 lost to Buffalo. You still control your own destiny for the number six seed, so it's not like all is lost. I just thought that uh, it was going to be difficult against the Bills' defense. They're really good. And I just think, is it this simple to say? It didn't matter where the game was played. Josh Allen's had more starts than Devlin Hodges. Hmm. And they ended up making, he made a few more plays, not many more, but a few more, and a drive when they needed to. And... Let's face it. I'm I'm realistic as far as what's going to happen here at some point. But I think what's (laughs) happened is they have figured out what they maybe have or don't have in the quarterback position behind Roethlisberger. Now, the tricky part was it would have been nice to have Juju. I mean, uh, you know, he he's been he's been missed and lost a little bit out of this because a couple of their other guys, younger guys, have played pretty well, and so I all this sets up honestly for maybe a pretty good run next year. If if Roethlisberger can get back and he can give you a year, maybe like a Drew Brees type of year, if you will, um, I'll tell you what. With the now the receivers they have, they've kind of figured out the defense a little bit. I I don't know. I look for them to be. Uh, actually, a pretty good team uh, making a run, maybe going into next year. Yeah. Do they make the playoffs, Bill? I don't know. I don't know. They probably beat the Jets this week. Would be my guess. I. I we'll see. I. Yeah. I. And you know, I think Baltimore might. It might not be a, a game for them that that they're going to have to worry about the last game of the year. And so, if that's the case, they might get lucky that you know it might mean everything for Pittsburgh. And I'll say this: nothing for Baltimore. But. Um, Let's face it, Alex. They're just not good enough. I mean, holy cow! <laughs> I mean, last last night was hard. Yeah, Ooh. it would be tough to see them going into Kansas City, assuming they get the sixth seed and play the Chiefs in Arrowhead and have any chance to put up points to stick with 
Patrick Mahomes in that offense. It's because I, I, I think I think you got a good shot. Tennessee losing helps. Now you, you've got uh, the head to head or whatever it is, the division tiebreaker over Tennessee. So really, as long as you win one of these next two, you have a really good shot still to make the playoffs as the six seed. I think they still were like sixty percent or sixty five percent favorites to make it, something like that. I think it, it, the way it looks right now is, um, you know, my initial thought. Hodges has got a little bit more um, moxie about him, but he is he is small, and uh, it felt like he got swallowed up last night a little bit. But but again, against a pretty good defense, and you've seen that team uh, once against the Patriots, and they did the same thing to Brady, really, yeah, right? They did, yeah, and we'll see him again this weekend. Yeah, so they're pretty good. That's on Saturday, I think. It is, yeah, triple header on Saturday. Should be good. So there you go. That's my that's my assessment. Good, I like it. All right, uh, cautiously optimistic, but not. But planning on 2020, that's that's the Bill Shaves model for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Looking for the future. Yeah, 19, 19 <laughs> was a was a building year for 20. There you go. Good way to look at it. Good. Well, good. Uh, our time is up. Our, t- our timer just ticked on the B side. So we're going to close up shop for this week. But Bill, as always, hey, enjoy finals week. Best of luck to you and the staff as you as you take your finals coming up here over the next couple of days. Finish strong. Sounds good. I appreciate it, Alex. And uh, yeah, we'll see you uh, on Wednesday as well. And again, appreciate you doing that show. Yep, always. Looking forward to it. Wednesday at 10. Be sure to tune in. UND Football Signing Day special. Big thanks to Bill. Big thanks to our producer, Cassie Niles. I'm Alex Seinert. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.